welcome to episode four of Are You Done Yet? I'm Mike Taylor with Innovative E. As always, I have with me my co-host, Brian Quick. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have a special guest, our very own Matt Fralick, our Vice President of Project and Work Solutions and Business Intelligence. Hey, guys, how's it going? Hey, Brian, do you want to uh, get us kicked off today? Sure, it's great to be back here at Are You Done Yet? Um, we've put in three solid episodes and got some really great content out of it. And what happens when we all just get together is uh, great minds just kind of think about great things to talk about, how they can relate about project work management solutions for our customers. And uh, and we're able to really put that in a casual kind of humor centric sort of way. And and it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. And hey, Matt, how are you doing today? Not too bad. Not too bad. Just uh, coming off the weekend. Awesome. Yeah, as as we all are, and and Matt, uh, you know, your official title is uh, is what now with uh, Innovative E, Vice President of uh, or, or a lot of is it so like a lot of letters. Project, <laughs> project Management Ninja? Is that what I, is that what I'm gathering? And <laughs> there's a lot of letters. It's it, VP of uh, Project and Work Solutions, as Mike said, and and uh, Business Intelligence. I also lead up our product offerings. Uh, component of Innovative E. And that all means that, Matt, you're the brains behind the operation here. So the reason that we're all here. So, Mike, I know you wanted to kind of, you know, summarize a little bit about, you know, what Matt brings to the table here and, and what we do here at Innovative E. So I'll turn it back over to you. All right. Thanks, Brian. Welcome again, Matt. So, yeah. So in the last few episodes, we've interviewed a few other people like Tad Haas from Edison. We've talked a little bit at a high level about some of our various partnerships, but kind of resetting the framework of what Innovative E is all about and what we bring to the table. We're really about project and work management solutions. We do custom development and um, you know we have a lot of technology partners. The three technology partners we have are number one, Microsoft. Uh, you know We're one of many of the Microsoft partners that are out there in the ecosystem. The work management components of the Microsoft relationship have always included for us the kind of the SharePoint collaboration space, right? More importantly, the project products like Project Online Project, Planner, now Project for the Web, and of course, um, now emerging is the Power Platform, the Power Apps, and those kinds of things. So that's kind of the framework of there that we would deal with, and that space is the base platform. On top of that, we have Edison 365. Edison 365 works in those spaces that are around work and project management that we've seen, and, and there's a lot of gaps in there in the base platform. So things like ideation, business case, more robust interface and detailed reporting and things like that around project, project management, and then of course their data store product, which helps with aggregation and business intelligence, which is awesome. And then lastly, the uh, a new partner that we have that we just signed a relationship with a few months ago was TaskTop, and we're really excited about that because they bring some really um, robust systems integration capability with the various Microsoft products, third-party products, um, which really goes back to this whole thing that we've talked about a lot, where when you really want to be, enable people to do work the way they want to do it, so maybe they're working in an agile type um, format like Jira mm -hmm. or something like that or ServiceNow, and be able to integrate that with the Microsoft core products and the reporting that needs to come out of it. So that's kind of at a high level with the technology, why we pick these partners, the, mm -hmm. the primary partners we have. And, of course, Matt's been involved in architecting probably hundreds of solutions, right, for for dozens and dozens or maybe hundreds of customers in various different capacities along all these different lines. So right. we thought it would really be good to kind of introduce Matt to uh, the podcast and have him on and some of his team on in future episodes um, to really drill down more into that. And I think today we'll probably take kind of more of a high level into these 
different areas. So, yep, that's that's what that's all about. Excellent. Yeah, Matt, you keep us honest too. Like Mike and I will come on these podcasts and we'll say, hey, this stuff does this and it does that and and it can walk on water. And you're like, no, it doesn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it, that, that you know, generally speaking, any new tech, the it's it's always advertised as the silver bullet to everything this or everything that. And it's right. not. Nothing is. Right. It all requires work. It all requires elbow grease. It all requires you to do something and think about things and also work within the framework that it's offering you. Any right. any one of the tools, right? You know, some are more mm-hmm. restrictive, for sure. You can get stuff that's more boxed up and it's very narrow focused. It does this thing one way. And that might work for you in a lot of regards. There's mm-hmm. a lot of integration tools out there that do just that. They work this path. And this right. path might be the path you work with. So that might be the tool for you. Yeah. Yeah, and for- on that... I'm just going to say, Matt, one of the things that you've always we've always talked a lot about is also it's not just the technology component. At the end of the day, we've got to build robust solutions that people can actually use. So there's the process component around that. There's the process component of how you maintain whatever the this this thing that you build with these tools is. And then there's the people components of it, the training of the end users, but also the people that support it. So all these things go into with the application of these technologies, right? For sure. But and, and and honestly, part of the reason we've chosen the partners that we've chosen from a technology standpoint is all of the tools, all of the tech is flexible. You do have a sandbox. It does have it does have walls to work within, but it's not. It's either A or B. You can't do C. C doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. That's not how we do how we how we've just. Dis- chosen where we want to go with this with any of our with any of our partners they all Mm -hmm. have flexibility and allow for a it the tool bending to the organization and the processes but also the organization being able to to successfully bend the tool neither one has to break and that's that's a key component to how we offer our solutions. Well, that's really um, thought provoking. Now, I remember when we were talking about, hey, we need an integration solution because we were getting a lot of customers coming to us and we, they were saying, well, we're, we're doing agile work. We're doing work here. We need to incorporate, you know, the project portfolio management with a line of business system. And there's a lot of point solutions out there to your, right. to your point. Um, Talk a little bit about TaskTop and what was special about that. Why did we navigate that way? Because I think that partnership is really something that we bring to the table. That's really a quality partnership that our customers can take advantage of. For sure. Um, So TaskTop is interesting because it is a framework. It is a model. It is a whole plethora of tool of, of connections to different tools out there from ALM tools to project management tools to uh, you know even some database tools right it, it, it kind of hits all different places in a way that actually is intuitive to users because it's not you will integrate X to Y right. and build this pipe. You can build this pipe for now. 
next week and you've determined you have a different use case, you can add an ancillary pipe or change the pipe a little bit without redoing the integration altogether, without right. rewriting it if it were custom. I mean, obviously, if you if anybody goes down the path of a custom dev thing, you get exactly what you want because you're starting from a blank piece of paper. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but that's expensive. And right. it's expensive and, and, and to maintain. Assuming that you can, you have the skills or the money just, to the, the, to get right. exactly what you want. Yeah, so, and, uh, and the foresight to understand what you're looking for, because right, a lot right. of a lot of what we find is, I need to move data. Okay, what data do you need to move, and why? Mm. Why is a key question here, because sometimes it might just mean I have data over here and I have data over here, and I don't really need them to talk to each other, but I need to be able to see them together. Mm-hmm. And now that's a different story. That's a different style of integration. And something like the Power Platform, Power BI solves that without having to do a pipe between the two. On that pipe, though, one of the things that we've seen is when people have written their own custom integrations and, and those kinds of things, is you mentioned it just really quickly, but I want to go back in on, is, is the maintain, maintenance, maintenance of it, right? So Tastop does what 50, 51 connections, connection points between their hub. I think some, yeah, and, and they they add they add something new every quarter. Right. And the key that what they one of the key things they do is they are constantly battering against all of the REST APIs that all the tools and and components they connect to on a nightly basis. Right. So they're running integration tests with all of these right. tools on a nightly basis. So they're going to probably be even ahead of the customers if then finding an issue if, you know, want right. somebody at ServiceNow or exactly. Jira or Microsoft or somebody makes a change that, you know, maybe breaks something or changes the behavior of it, they're going to be ahead of it and be able to say, hey, not Same only do we know change. it, but we already have a fix for it, right. which is so much. And yeah, guess what? You don't have to pay anything else for it. You're, it's part of your subscription. Oh. APIs change. I mean, they, do they change nightly? No. no. But mm-hmm. if they offered a new feature that you're now taking advantage of, you might have an API change. If they're if they're deprecating a way of doing things, but they replaced it with something else, you have an API change. While that is not a earth-shattering uh, revelation, it is still something to be aware of. And if you have companies out there that you're you're buying tools from that are actually keeping that up before you even see the problem because you're likely behind on your update to your software they're not they're getting the beta versions they're getting the stuff that is always up to date to ensure that their that their components are still working no matter what okay and this is this is that whole new kind of new world's been around for a few years now but it's the continuous integration cycles right and everybody's going through them so when you buy a product like this, it's working with the continuous integration cycles of all the other pieces that are being For integrated sure. as well. Yep. I mean, yeah. So it, it does offer a significant way of, of thinking about it, and it's visual. So the, the, the model that you build, you can see, oh, I have data that goes from here to here, and mm-hmm. I have data that goes from here to this other place. And – but I don't want data to come back from here over here. So I block all that and you can kind of make your spider web of integrations across all your tools be what you need it to be. Now, of course, you are limited to your the APIs and what they're what they what the each vendor 
exposes for read write, but you're you're limited to that if you were doing a custom. So you're you're limited period, but you don't have to know about the APIs. The tool does it for you. You also talked a little bit about um, when you're talking about creating that visual map. There's uh, modeling that can be done with that as well, right? I mean, you can make some conditional statements and things like that that are pretty sure, so easy you, to do without yeah. having to go to, you know, right. you, code you, you to can, do it. You can put expressions as, and you can even extend it. There are extensions for it where you can write in some JavaScript into the into it if 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 you find that unique little case that you need to deal with. Mm. Right. What are some um, customer scenarios? I, I can think of a couple of different customer scenarios where this has come up. And, and we've thought about or are currently um, talking to customers about using TaskTap. One of, the, one of them is that a major healthcare provider. Um, and, and it's about ServiceNow integration with projects online. Can you talk a little bit about what that scenario was and how TaskTap was able to help with that? So, yeah, one of the things that ServiceNow, like like any of, the, any of these tools are, they mm -hmm. have different categories, different types of items we'll call it because items is a nice generic word. Um, it could be an incident. It could be an, it, it could be a request. It could be if it, it could be an enhancement. You go through all these different types of, of objects that you're trying to work with. Now task top and go, Oh, I have a track for, for incidents. I have a track for this. I have a track for that. And they all function differently. Or I don't want to talk about it. Just a general, you know, help, help desk ticket i don't want somebody coming to i don't want data going into some other tool that's just my keyboard broke i spilled coffee on it can you come and and deal with that it sure but that's 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 all it is here's your new one i'll take the old one and i'll junk it for you there's right. no there's no integration of data needed for that right so you can skip that line and you okay. cannot worry about it and that's the that's what TaskTop is actually doing for it interesting so that's the the kind of the detail of what it was doing, but I think at a high level, wasn't um, wasn't there some scenario around where, like in this particular case, we had helped build a project management system where they were doing a lot of timekeeping and data entry, and without that integration component, there was a lot of duplicate entry that was right. having to happen in multiple systems. And that was one pain point, and secondly, right. in certain cases, it wasn't being done because it required additional work, and so the the quality of data. Over sure. and the project management system was not nearly as granular as they wanted. So with that integration, with everything you just said, you're able to do all those things and get the right information at the right time in the right system. Correct. Yeah, that's 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 a significant point there, Mike. Um, it doesn't integrations by and large. Not only they 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 do three key kind of pillars. They allow people to work in the tools that they need to work into, right? I need to be in this side. I need to be in that side. I don't want to be in both. That's key. The other thing that they do is they in, they force standardization mm. because the data, you have to follow for each line, each track that you create, each model, you have to follow a logic path, tool, right? Yeah. You can't just yeah. When you do human integration and I want to say, ah, I can see this is a number two. I move number two over <laughs> here. This is a number three. I can do yeah. that. But you're doing you're doing the business rule, but you're doing it because you know it. But right. if you put that through a computer, it doesn't tell me what two means. But when now everything means the same thing, you have to all play by the same business rules. So that 
the integration enforces better standardization, which in turn increases that 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 value of the data as a whole. Right. A lot of that time that's being spent in manual data entry and things like that, we have to when you're thinking about doing an integration project, it's really important to understand what decisions, even if they're not documented, are being made during right. those manual processes. And that's what we'll do. We come in there and we kind of do an assessment. We dig in a little bit to what's going on. I mean, you it, you know, our, all of our simplest behaviors have rules and processes that we follow. You can't just make yeah. toast by thinking, I want to make <laughs> toast. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. There are steps, however, all subconscious steps steps and you just do them because that's how you do it yeah but and you now have you have to, to, not to document it, it. yeah right and the computer has to actually know the rules so so that's a key point there why is it always toast that people use an example because <laughs> toast is one of those <laughs> toast when i went coffee. to school i went to i i was i was forced to describe that in in programming logic and i'm like oh it's two steps there's there's a lot more because I don't ever think about it. You don't ever think about it. You just don't because you're you're conditioned to know how to do it without thinking. Right. But if you need to tell somebody who's never heard of toast ever, <laughs> they're gonna look at you like you do what now? Why are you doing this? Right. I don't get it. So and and, and, and the steps it. are very sequential, right? And it's easy for everybody to see how. Oh yeah. There are a lot of steps, but I don't ever think about them. Right, right. That's, that's funny. Um, so let's let's kind of talk. You mentioned this a little bit earlier, kind of. You mentioned the power platform a little bit earlier. We're starting to do more with it. Um, we're starting to look at that as directionally where we can solve some pretty big um, uh, business process issues and challenges that our customers are having. Um, if you're using spreadsheets for some of your business processes today, um, why do you guys think, you know, that Power Platform provides a unique opportunity to automate some of that? Why is it different now than it was before? Um, I'm not sure how to how to say what, how it was before, but it it provides the power platform is built upon the common data service. I'm sure you guys have talked about it or you've heard about it at some point. Yeah, we've talked about that a little bit. Why don't you why don't you go into a little bit of detail for our audience about what the common data service means? So generally speaking, if you're familiar with uh, Dynamics 365, Dynamics mm -hmm. 365 is the first thing that kind of runs on all this stuff and it's been there for a long time. And now we're put now Microsoft's putting other stuff. Power Platform is a significant part of that. In fact, a lot of the the when we talk about Power Platform and talk about Power Apps, there's two different versions of Power Apps, and I, I will say a lot of the salesier oh, yeah. people will talk about it in terms. You're not of, talking about Mike and I, are you? When you when you mention <laughs> I'm talking about people? in general. I'm talking in generalization. <laughs> we'll, we'll speak to we'll speak to their phone. Because that's what people think about as an app, right? Right, right. We don't think about applications anymore. We only think about apps that show up on our phone that I can go download and I mm -hmm. can do. So when people think about Power Apps and what what that what's out there, they're thinking about a Canvas app that is totally available and it's and it comes in a form factor of a tablet or a uh, a phone. Mm -hmm. So it makes it makes the modern interface for these varying platforms right. very simple. 
to render in what Microsoft likes to co call the low-code or no-code solution. Right. Then there's the model-driven app, which is what Dynamics is all built on, right? All those things, you ever, if you've ever looked at CRM, you've ever looked at any of those components, they're all model-driven model apps, which are more friendly to a desktop. Okay. Like, you wouldn't want to open a Canvas app that's this form factored thing on your phone in the middle it's of your little, screen. It, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. It's like I'm why well, that's <laughs> it's built to be to be touched, not to mm -hmm. be clicked. Mm -hmm. But both of these have different paradigms and different reasons for use or usage, I should say. Mm -hmm. And they have their box that you have to play with it. Right. right. So you have you have not limited, but you have the tools and building blocks that Microsoft provides for each one of them. And they do different things for different reasons and they have a different look and feel to them. Mm -hmm. Model driven apps now, as of recently, Microsoft's been doing a lot of merging of things and getting things more available is now web is now mobile friendly, which means it's more. Um, call it. Uh, responsive design so mm -hmm. even though you have this screen that is laid out for a you know a nice 1440 uh resolution you can now view it on your phone and it just kind of collapses and starts looking a little significantly different but it's still it's still available still can be clicked on still can be done with mm -hmm. the so that's that's a pretty big thing recently the other component to that is the model driven app is more flexible and bigger. So you can do a lot more with it. And as Mike pointed out, low code, no code is the mantra. However, what the what you're doing is you're taking and building and you're building data models and entities within the CDS that you can surface in different ways, in different views, in different forms mm -hmm. in these model-driven apps or in the Canvas apps as well. Um, so, what, you know, the long long and short of it when you're thinking about what's power apps it's actually two significantly mm. big components it's it's not just canvas that's apps it's not what's just publicized out there is here's the canvas app it's also the model apps and usually generally usually what we would end up seeing is a lot of our customers that want us to replace their business process and, and exactly what you said on excel mm -hmm. they're already doing that stuff on their desktop so that makes more sense to put it in a model driven app when you're talking about things like yeah. order forms or field services, okay. that okay. doesn't make any sense. To You're not walking around the laptop. You're walking around the tablet or your phone, and you want to just say, right. ah, let me update this list item. That's easier <laughs> from, a, from a Canvas app. So, it, it, again, it comes down to in evaluating what your need is, evaluating what the process is, and, and determining the right solution for the right reasons. You know um... – you know, it continues to just blows my mind, Matt. We, you know, customer after customer we talk to, what they're doing in Excel is they're almost building software. Oh yeah. You know, and I, it's, I, it's like, I wrote Tetris in Excel. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's like they're they're creating they're they're basically posting an Excel spreadsheet somewhere, you know, in a common area, and they almost create what looks like a UI in a sheet, and they're like, okay, you guys come in here and you fill this out. And you go to this tab and you fill this out. And sometimes one tab populates the other and so forth and so on. And they have multiple people going into the same sheet um, and co-authoring it. Um, some risky. folks aren't even using that. You know, it just, it's not a, 
an enterprise, you know, a viable long-term solution, but it's what they have, um, that what's what they know, and it's what they have kind of at their disposal sure. without having to call IT and create something. Well, or calling spend. IT and having them create stuff is expensive, not because yeah. it's, they have to pay for it, but because it's time-consuming. Time well, and, and it doesn't necessarily get done, right? I mean, that's yeah. the thing. They, they have you, a long, they have they a have long backlog. Process, right? And that's why this self-service stuff, I think, is, is very interesting in, you know, the low-code, no-code. Right. We all know, and we've had a lot of internal discussions and debates about how far that can go. I think... Right. You know, at the high level, it can start to replace some of the things like you're talking about, Brian, like some of this Excel stuff, because people can go in and they can start doing right. something with the basic power apps um, to do some smaller kind of prototyping and build maybe in smaller workgroup apps without right. a whole lot of um, assistance from, you know, IT or a third party like us. Um, when it starts to get bigger, though, and like we talked yeah. about before, when you start to get into the people and process and technology, then you start to develop kind of a software development lifecycle around this mm -hmm. thing that you're building, um, selecting the right um, components like Matt's talking about, then building the right processes around it and building the right, you know, best practice development, so to speak, um, around mm -hmm. these things becomes a lot more important. I think yeah. that's a promise of sure. it, Mike, right? Is the, mm -hmm. the ability for that same person that, you know, is dangerous in Excel, you know, and maybe is can be dangerous in Power BI to transfer some of those low code skills, um, their ability to, you know, pull the community together, pull the business rules together, figure out the business rules and and build a power app on their own. Now, you know, there's there's um, I think that's a promise of it. And, and yeah. there's some people out there that, you know, they're equipped and they have enough information. They've watched enough YouTube videos to go do that. How, how can Matt, how can Innovative E help those folks that want to do that, um, but just kind of need to get a kickstart? Well, that's it's a it's a it's a great question there's a lot there's a lot to it is it easy enough to go and add a custom field add it create an entity sure i mean a lot of that's kind of point and click i made this entity i did this i did that but what what is not there and as i said before these are all building blocks yeah. right you have to before you can make an app you need to have a data set you need to have something in the CDS and data mm -hmm. sets and how good they are and how they operate are really something that ha requires a little bit of forethought. And that's where your Excel folks might struggle because Excel doesn't care about that. You do right. whatever you want to do and you just kind of make it happen and it works itself out. But I need to have this entity related to this entity and that related to that entity. Well, some people might just start off with, I'll just make one big entity, <laughs> which is fine right. until you realize that you have too much data and now it doesn't operate well. Right. So now you should have broken it up. But now how do you get the data to talk to these all these different components, which is not intuitive. And then you start to say, okay, I need a, I need a power automate that says when something over here happens, I have to move something and rewrite and connect this data to that mm -hmm. data because it's not necessarily just, it doesn't magically show up here. You can have one entity that's related to an entity and it's a parent and child and it, and it can absorb and, and uh, expand off of that. But it's not, you just, jump two feet into the to the, the pool and you're like right. i didn't know what i was expecting to find so right. that's before you mm -hmm. even get to the concept of building an app out you just right. figured out what your data looks like 
So you start to do that. You get that in place. So, so if that's you have how, that pedigree and you come from, you, you take that mindset into it where you, you, you've built applications before, um, sure. then you're really well equipped to, to hit the ground running here. But if you need some help, we've, we've done that. We've been around the block in that regard and we bring that mindset to the table, help expedite really the right. whole process of this. That's exactly it. If you don't know, while you can get started quickly, if you had, if somebody already had a data model for you, this is where the paradigm of my, I think Microsoft really wants people to go. I think mm -hmm. what they want is, well, we want everyone to make power, to make an app, to be right. able to feel empowered, to make an app, to empower them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. However, if you have nothing to work with, mm -hmm. you don't have the pieces to, to, to make the app. So you need somebody either, you either need to have the, the rigor in how you've already thought about building apps. So you've done it the hard way. You've done it right. coding straight up and you can't do coding straight up unless you've thought about what is the end result? What's the process? What does mm -hmm. it actually look like? What is the data model I'm trying to capture actually makes sense? Mm -hmm. So if you have that, as you said, that that skill set, mm -hmm. then yeah, you, Power Apps, you can kind of get in. Then it's kind of a syntax thing here, a syntax thing here. What do I click? Oh, I need to move around here. You can kind of Google some of that stuff or Bing some mm -hmm. of that stuff and figure <laughs> it out. Um, but it's if you don't have that and you and you mm -hmm. don't have anybody that does that well now you need a little bit of a, a different story to help you out and we do this all the time with people for for power bi they have a database they understand mm -hmm. how to access a database they don't understand how build the visualizations write, to, to write sql yeah. to write yeah, sql right. and they don't understand dax and they don't understand some of the expressions that Power BI has in play because it's a whole other language. So what we can do to help people out is we we can provide a, a data set in whatever tool you're using. So if it's SQL, we can provide a view or a couple of views or SQL code or a stored procedure to get to the data set you want. Therefore, you don't even need to know what's driving it underneath. You don't need to know this table versus that table. Mm -hmm. You just need to know I need this and now I have my data and now I can go through and create my visualizations with the drag and drop components that everyone loves. But how do you get there? That you, See, you need everybody to get can there. be a power apps ninja with <laughs> with innovative is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, <laughs> sure. <laughs> the elephant in the room is the swords on Matt's the wall. Matt's going to lend him one of his swords. Just just don't don't hurt yourself. But I mean and and power apps you can go even further, right? You right. can take a step further and say, "You know what? This Canvas app or more specifically this model app, I don't like the controls that I want to play with. I don't mm -hmm. like some of these building blocks." Okay, well, we've just stepped away from low code, no code to all code. Right. And that's not a big deal because it can what can be done is a partner like us or technology company like us can create a control for you and gotcha. install it. And then you can use it for whatever you want. Mm -hmm. So and you don't have to hand us the keys. I mean, we, it's no. fle we're flexible options for any, anything from, you know, you know, just to be over your shoulder or guide to training to, um, you know, just being available, you know, for right. assistance. Um, we're, we're evolving to this low code, um, 
way of way of working with you. So it's not like uh, you you know a big statement of work maybe anymore. It, it's different, right? And it, and it's just a it it's a different way of thinking. But if you're provided with a module or a control or even a data set, like oh you you know we want to extend project for the web. Cool. Well, we have this whole baseline function. We can. We, and, and all the entities that go along with it. We can install all that. Okay. And then you're off to do what you need to do and create different apps based off of that data set that you didn't have before and you didn't want to learn to do. Now you can right. get to your drag and drop. So, so there's it's all a about customer how to get to it. That we have that you, you just kind of alluded to. There's a customer we've been talking to. We've been doing a lot of really great work for them. And you built, um, well, first of all, Without going into too much detail, um, we used the the Power Platform, Power Automate, Power Apps, Power BI, kind of in concert for this customer, the trifecta, if you will. Um, they're using Project for the Web um, for the schedules, but they have some pretty unique needs in terms of categorizing those tasks. Sure. Talk about so that. One of the things. So what we what we we accomplished was Project for the Web. It, it at the moment doesn't allow for custom fields. You're allowed whatever, mm -hmm. you know, what you see is what you get. Very wissy wig. That's okay. Right. But with Power Apps, because it's because it's built on the Power Platform, we can extend it. So what we did is we extended the task entity to a couple different things to include things like baseline, to okay. include can to include things like categorization of tasks. Now, when a task was categorized to a particular type of like eight or nine different types it triggered automate power automates to go and move to add additional data to a different entity mm. that can then be altered by the the user and they can fill in additional things because we don't need all these dates associated to all the tasks maybe only three of them right and then because of that entity is moved over here we have another view that aggregates it all in mm -hmm. one view by project. So now you have by project, you can't touch the project, can't touch the task name, but you can touch all the data and you can kind of do a bulk edit on all the data across all of your projects for this this slice and that slice and the other slice, right? So you can kind of yeah. get all of these at the same time, which is something honestly you couldn't project do online people yeah. customers wanted for project online and it's just really wasn't possible because Project Online built an hmm. entity for a project, an entity for that project. Right. So you, this this is a different way of looking at the data. Yeah, so the people... cuffs are off a little bit, you know, um, in terms of, you know, the the limitations of Project Online, uh, previously limitations. You you have Project for the Web, and and that's a an, an app built on a common data service in itself, but itself, you know, is limited in some way, but here's an example of how we were able to extend it and create right. one solution. It's all about which building blocks and which tools you have to play with, right? right? Project Online is a fantastic tool that's really robust and really big, and you could do a lot with it, but it has a, there are particular ways that you have to that interact it with yeah, it. Right. And if you try to make it not that way, you're, you are fighting the tool. And fighting the tool really only hurts you. <laughs> Which is one of the things we've we've talked about for years. It doesn't matter if it's SharePoint project, project online. 
if it's um, Dynamics, any of, the, any of the tools and things that we've worked with over the years, we see sometimes customers, sometimes other partners will go in and say, I don't like the way the tool works. So they, they start doing all this customization and right. configuration around the tool rather than first understanding. And I think it's a lot of the, the conversation you've had today here, Matt, is really important for people to understand if they want to get into like the power platform and, and use it, it's understand the tool. Understand mm -hmm. what, what it does well. Understand why it works the way it does. So, you know, right. training um, resources that are out there. We're trying to make more resources available. Um, Microsoft has project uh, Power App in a Day classes and things like this. Understand what the technology can and can't do before you try to start saying, it, I don't like the way it works. So I'm going to try to make it work a different way. That's right. yeah. You may mm -hmm. have to, to, to go to solve For a sure. certain problem, but try, really understand the fundamentals first. And the, and the core building blocks and how it all works. That's a great dis uh, discussion. You know, one of the things that um, brought me to Innovative E is, you know, sort of our ability to um, expand on customer relationships and retain customer relationships and make sure that, you know, we're always in tune with what, what the next thing that these folks need are. We're not really a one and done shop. Um, how did it evolve that way, guys? I mean, how did we get to that <laughs> point? <laughs> You want to go mean, first, Matt? <laughs> I think it's, I mean, for me personally, it's always been, I got into consulting into this business because I truly enjoy seeing success for customers. Mm. And I don't mean like, I, you know, I walk in and I can give you a project. It started, it finished. Here you go. Have a good day. I don't, you know, we're done. It, it, it really came down to, I... I want to see you succeed and I want to be a part of that success. Not mm -hmm. from a, it's not from necessarily a selfish reason, but from, from I take, I enjoy solving puzzles and the, the, the longer it goes, the more puzzles there are to solve. And I want to be there to help solve those for, for customers. And that's why I, I, I wanted to do this. Yeah. That's really, yeah. that's really great. That's great. And I think, you know, so Matt's been a big, part of the kind of the transition we've made over the last, I'd say, five, six years. Um, and now, now you're a part of it and happy to have you here, Brian. And, and that is that um, when you build these types of things, it doesn't matter what the, the core technology is, you build a business solution or a business application that's built on various technology components. If it provides value, it's inevitably going to require ongoing kind of care and feeding mm -hmm. um, to, to continue to morph to the evolving business needs. Um, business challenges can come up. You may decide to ex continue to extend it, and we've seen customers do this. We took an approach years ago, and it kind of it, it's where we moved into both through some formal study and and through just evolutionary organic kind of our three-step process of really laying the foundation, working the enablement, and then the sustainment services piece. And that's right. I think one of the things you've seen, Brian, that as we've continued to to kind of evolve these things is. We've worked out a way that gives a very flexible framework for our customers to to be engaged and to use our services as they need to at whatever level they need to as appropriate for what they have their capabilities are, um, what budget they want to have and, and put mm -hmm. into it versus you know spending the dollars internally or somewhere else, and mm -hmm. and being able to do it in a way oftentimes that starts kind of small you know builds the value they can see it and then they can de decide they want to continue to invest in it, but the the sustainment component. 
is 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 really critical whether it's an external partner like us or some of our customers have built their own teams and over a period of years basically transitioned away and and they do most of the work heavy lift now but the same uh, the same concept applies if you're going to build something that that requires you know that's going to provide a lot of value it's going to require an ongoing sustainment component to it and that's been I think probably you know part of the secret to our success in, in these engagements and, and longer term relationships. When in some cases we have customers we've been with for 14 years, um, many customers you know five, six, seven years or more, um, and it's because we we take this this approach. And I think also at, at the core of who we are, just to you know, like Matt said, I think we all do care. We want to see people be successful. We've seen. You know, throughout our, our all of our careers, and everybody's seen, you know, the things of how many times people try to do something and it's not successful. Right. And so when you see it done and you see it done well, and you're part of that, and and you know, the customers and their organization get excited about it, and even to the point of part of our our mission statement is about you know improving lives. We've actually had customers tell us, we really have been able to improve trust. We've been able to improve the quality of our of our teams. Um, everyday lives because that you know that now their constituents because of these systems that we built and maintained over time um and and enhanced they 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 become reliant on them and they and they are using them to to have predictable um reliable recurring results and business success and it reduces stress on doing a lot of things that are more ad hoc right i mean when you right. have one of our big um you mentioned the healthcare providers it happens to be one of the same healthcare providers we have a lot but they mentioned to us just recently that through the whole COVID thing, they were able to pivot. And I think we talked about this in one of the other podcasts very quickly to the the um, the needs, the, the things that were put on them to continue to do the work they needed to do and work to put a, a large number of people that work from home um, because they did have these systems in place and people trusted them. And it was yeah. um and it was really um it was a, a very powerful moment for them. We ask why a lot. And it's not like in a negative concept, right? Like, I don't go, well, why do you want to do that? That's stupid. That's not what I mean. It's just, why? What are you trying to solve? What do you want to solve? Mm -hmm. Like, I, we, we don't just take orders. Instruction, right. And like, say, here's do what I this. Do this. And it's yeah. like, that's fine. But why? If you give us a little bit of inkling as to why, there might be a different way that's easier and mm -hmm. more cost effective and better in the long term. We and don't sometimes, know without asking that question. And sometimes we walk away from services or revenue dollars from product because of that, because we say, look, yeah, you want to build it this way. We could go build that for you, but there's a much more effective way to do it. And maybe that's something we provide. And sometimes we recommend and say, no, here, you could do this yourself, or there's a different way to do it. Because I think we honestly want people to have the best solution for it's, the future. Right. About, about being successful. I mean, because yeah. if they're not successful, mm -hmm. it doesn't make a difference what we did. Right. I mean, what we did is pointless. I mean, it really is. If they're not successful. Long-term success. Right. Yep. Yeah, that, that's really deep. That's really something, guys. I mean, that's kind of a differentiator, if, if you ask me. Um, it's what makes me, what kind of wakes me up in the morning and gets me down, you know, to work. Um, it, it's about helping people, empowering our customers to improve lives. Hey, man, uh, what do you think about a regular segment on the Are You Done Yet podcast? We could call it, like, From the Dojo. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, this, this has been fun. It, you know, it, you know, it, it, you guys asked me to come on, and I, I really wasn't sure what to expect. I'm not usually <laughs> a uh, on-camera type of guy, but uh, no, this has been fun.
No, I think it was really, really good discussion. A lot of folks are probably going to take a lot away from it. Um, and thanks for coming today. It's really, really great. Yep. Thanks, thanks Matt. For me. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Good day. Virtual high five. We did this with virtual yeah. high five. Yeah. <laughs> Episode four of Are You Done Yet in the Bath?